The first time I saw it, I got goosebumps. It was perfect for me. I felt like we could go anywhere together. <sighs> There's nothing like finding your match on Cars.com. With over 50,000 cars added daily and a powerful advanced search, you're sure to discover the one. Cars.com. It's Click or tap to find your perfect match on cars.com today. A car shopping experience meets an out-of-body experience. With 50,000 cars added daily and unbelievably smart matchmaking, the new cars.com. It's magical. Welcome in, everybody. My name is Scott Kennedy. Uh, I go by Scout Kennedy on most of my social media handles since I worked for scout.com for better part of two decades and um it just uh it's more available than scott kennedy it's a more common name so we've got a lot to talk about nick is joining us as we speak so he'll be here in just a moment but we've got a lot to talk about today um desmond ritter in the news for the wrong reasons and uh we're gonna steal man and straw man the argument and the question of you know did he quit on the atlanta falcons uh Kind of depending on where you sit, since we don't really know for a fact where you sit, might be how might change how you you think about that. And I've got some thoughts on it as well. We'll talk about Desmond Ritter and what he can do. We'll talk a little bit about the Saints, uh, and then I want to get into uh, Todd McShay's mock draft. I've given him a lot of grief over the years through some of his evaluations and 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 whatnot. Um, but he was all over the Falcons and wide receiver again last year, and he was right and give him props for it and I don't mind this pick so much uh we'll get into that one here shortly as well so let me welcome in Nick Kendall my co-host and um I was just looking I still can't spell your name I had a it's it's Kendall because one of the people we'll be talking about today is a friend of mine that I've worked with a long time ago named Josh Kendall who is uh, a Falcons guy for the the athletic and um he was asking some of the questions that we will play some of the sound for Arthur Smith today, but obviously no relation, not even the same spelling. So Nick, yeah. welcome in. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Yeah, the uh, Kendall is spelled like my name is weird. Somebody probably did something coming over Ellis Island or I don't know. But uh, yeah, well, good to see you. And also correction, you said uh, talking about Desmond Ritter and did he quit on the team? You meant Marcus Mariota. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Marcus Mariota, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On, yeah, obviously on that one. Yeah. Um, I've had those guys... <clears throat> switched in my head for a while anyway maybe it's because uh you know freud says there are no accidents maybe i've wanted secretly wanted desmond ritter to start all season uh yeah. as a possibility so glad you're doing well michael Rankio come in on the chat early this morning welcome thank you for being here joe cannon always with us says great freaking morning scott and nick how about marcus Mariota and all these stories the knee him quitting apparently his wife having a baby uh and i've got the sound to play with that one that makes you kind of you know just scratch your head a little bit and and, uh, you know, the news coming out of, of Monday was he's not here. And Arthur Smith made it sound like, you know, the knee was a surprise to him. But I'll, I'll play the sound for it and then we'll react to that. Bama X is good morning. Scott and Nick heard the rumor yesterday uh, regarding Mariota was quite surprised. <laughs> yeah. Out of character. That's part of it. So I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And Kevin Fitzpatrick. Good morning, guys. Good morning to you as well. Nathan. Nathan. Good morning. Hope you're doing well. Dom, Dominic Jaramillo coming in. He says, Scott, Nick, and Dog Nation. You know, the, if, if, this, if the game of football wasn't so dangerous, they play friendlies between big matches in soccer. You know, they just wish scrimmages. So that's mm -hmm. what they are. They, but they call them friendlies. And I've always advocated for, you know, when you've got this six-week layoff between games, you know, you'd go and you'd get some awful bowl games because people haven't played any live football in six weeks. Be nice to play some friendly so when i see georgia right now i start thinking man they could use a friendly they could use someone a, a tune-up match but the game's so inherently dangerous you can't afford to do that because you're losing four and five guys a game yeah. at least for you know the next week it's uh it's brutal yeah well you know what scott you got what you wish you wish for i think uh most of the bowl games are friendlies these days uh <laughs> i was playing their third string quarterback the kentucky quarterback we're not we are going to talk about here is out they're starting running back is out that's like 80 percent of their offensive output this year pretty much if you're not playing a new year's six bowl or the playoffs um it's a it's more about getting the scrimmage or the extra practices mm -hmm. developing those guys and then uh using that game as a scrimmage i mean that's that's what it is right now. 
It is a reward for the players, so I've got no problem with that. I mean, oh, there's too many bowl games. I'm like, well, then don't watch. What do you care? Yeah. There's, there's as many bowl games as the market will support. When when the money starts drying up because the fan interest is gone, then they won't have any bowl games. Otherwise, send them all to a bowl game. For, oh, they're meaningless. They've always been meaningless. You know, I'd I mean, rather Nebraska keep their uh, bowlless streak going than add more bowls. I like that. I like that going on pretty well. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe so. But let's let's get into this one early, right off the top. I asked a question in the headline. You know, the real the real grabber on there, the real shock question: Did Marcus Mariota quit on his teammates? What on the Atlanta Falcons? What did? Uh, and I said it right that time, Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. What brought that up was a little bit of how. Um, Arthur Smith responded to the question about the knee injury, and, and, and here it is real quick. I would anticipate that, yeah, and that had nothing to do with the, the move here, Josh, but there's, you know, like a lot of athletes, some chronic, nothing that's been an issue this season, but that's their prerogative, and so, you know, as this happens, you know, that's why we signed Logan on Saturday to make sure we had depth there, and we'll, you know, once that decision is made, then I'll update you, but he's not here right now, so in case, you know, just giving you in full transparency. But he, but he would have, if you had not made the switch, this knee thing wouldn't have come out. He wouldn't have. Josh, I'm not, I'm not a medical expert. Just telling you it had nothing to do with the decision. And we'll just see how the week plays out. So if, if you couldn't hear the, the second part of Josh's question, it's Josh Kendall of The Athletic. Uh, good dude, by the way. Um, he, he asked him, he goes, if the switch hadn't been made, this knee issue wouldn't have come up. Very sly. Um, and, and that's when he said, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor, but the, the first part of that question was, do you, um, you know, do you anticipate Mar- Marcus going on there? And he's like, yes, that's what we anticipate right now. Now, Nick, what you hear those words and you, you, you see that what's your kind of initial reaction on that one? This is bizarre. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, don't remember anything like this. And I hope Mariota is. Hey, okay. I mean, I, these guys, like you mentioned earlier, they're getting dings and bruises constantly. Maybe he has been playing through an injury. Um, the fact that it was not disclosed to him is, uh, or the fact that Arthur Blank kind of seemed perplexed by the knee injury is concerning. But you see all the time in the NFL where the team's medical staff is kind of like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And then they go get a second opinion. And it's like, no, you have a ruptured patella tendon and you need surgery. So um, I'm a little bit weary of team's medical staffs uh, from that perspective. But it's definitely fishy, uh, no doubt about it. And I'm curious to see there's going to be this is not the last we're going to hear about it. There's going to be more details that come out uh, over the offseason, uh, I'm sure, as the season uh, as we progress to next season. So really, really interesting. And I think reading Arthur Smith there, he's definitely bummed about it. And I get it. I mean, the sliding Logan Woodside is not a great option if uh, Ritter goes down and you are still very much in the thick of the playoffs hunts, thanks to the inept NFC South. And if Ritter goes down, I mean, you're already kind of saying we're thinking about next year going to Ritter at this point, mm-hmm. uh, at least in my opinion, maybe he's better than Mariota though at this point, who knows? Uh, but now your depth is greatly concerning. And if Ritter goes down, you're definitely yeah, dead. You're going to Logan Woodside because you weren't going to Felipe Franks. No. Yeah, um, yeah. My, my initial reaction to that was similar. It's like, okay. Um, you know, and as Joe says, the, the talk about here is his wife's having a baby. That's why he's leaving. Okay, then why is he asking to go on IR and miss the rest of the season? Well, maybe the knee has been bothering him. And he knows he's half a play away and, and, and he's, you know, holding on by a thread like this and he's hiding it. You know, it's a very, very real possibility that he's been covering up an injury. You know, people say, oh, he's been running fine. He's been running the the running part of the offense okay, where you see him uh, on his read options in a straight line. But I mentioned last week, you know, he, he still moves side to side like he thinks he can put a move on somebody, and he can't. Every time he goes laterally, he's toast. So, you know, maybe as, as, as far as I know, you know, he's been getting injections in his knee for the last six weeks and haven't told anybody, you know, and, and if it's like, listen, coach, if I'm not going to be the starter, one, I'm going to go home and, and see my wife. Uh, and two, I got to get my knee checked out. I've been kind of hiding this lately. Um, and he may not have admitted to all that. And none of that may be true, but I'm willing to give Marcus Mariota, who has been nothing more than a professional nothing but professional in his entire career. I'm I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt rather than say this baby just quit and left. That doesn't sound right to me. It just doesn't, Nick. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that one, giving him the benefit of the doubt. But I do think that this isn't, again, like I said, this isn't the last bit of information we are going to hear about this over, you know, the course of the future. So we'll be curious to see how that plays out. The other thing here is talking about quitting on his team. There has been reports in the past of him, you know, losing his passion for football. Uh, the fact that he was ready to walk away and then John Ritter and Derek Carr helped uh, revitalize and revive his love and passion for the game. It's been a rough season, obviously. For and who was the coach him. at that time? That was Tennessee's, yeah. and his yeah. offensive coordinator was Arthur Smith. Yes. So, I mean, there's just – I guess it's possible uh, that this is, you know, him saying, you know, peace, sayonara, um, in that regard, after not being the starter anymore. But I'm not I'm not claiming that's the case. But uh, – Yeah, it just – it that just doesn't – this just doesn't sound – just does not sound right to me. It just – it doesn't. Um, I mean, it you know, could he put back- his body on the line out there when he plays. He certainly doesn't play – Hasn't played yeah. like he doesn't care. He hasn't done great. That doesn't mean he's not out there putting his body on the line out there. And we know where Ryan, with a camp that Ryan sits in, he says, I want to start a petition to never mention that former QB's name ever again. He says, I want to call him just, you know, you know who version two. You know, Ryan, I'm not, I'm not sure how old you are, but I actually remember watching Jeff George coming back. Uh, and I don't even remember who he was playing with and beat the Falcons in the dome. And this... <sighs> This guy runs a victory lap, pointing and like shouting in the stands around afterwards. I'm like, man, you're lucky you got out of this town with your freaking life on a day like that. So the stuff I'm reading about Marcus Mariota and hearing about Marcus Mariota, if I'm I'm not I'm I'm skeptical, real skeptical. Um, and Joe says there was a story that said Ritter has been taking first team snaps for the past couple of weeks. Is there anything like that? That wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, Mariota has been struggling. This is a rookie that has a that looked good in the preseason. The and your team has lost four out of five, three out of four. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. And then little Dove comes in uh, and says, former Atlanta quarterback and his fan base can leave. They were so toxic and obsessive over him, knowing that he uh, at best was slightly below mediocre. It, it was, and I've seen people come in. Um from other fan bases because Mariota's got a lot of fans. It's it's, I don't know if it's the Oregon crew or what, um, you know, I like him, but I'm not going to like go onto another team's message board and defend him. That's kind of weird. It's, he's got a weird amount of fans for the lack of NFL success that he's had. Um, but people have said, you know, the Atlanta Falcons fans have never embraced him, the person, the way, that they did in Tennessee, that the way they did in Vegas, the way they did in Oregon. Oregon makes sense. He was a Heisman Trophy winner. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of personality you have. They'll mm-hmm. say you're colorful at that point. Um, but, you know, the Falcons always knew this was a stopgap. He was he was a temporary guy here. And you've got a kid who looked great in the preseason. I, I want to see that guy instead of this one who's just okay. Who's uh, just okay. Yeah, especially given the inevitable pending choice in the draft uh, with probably a pretty early pick. We'll see how these final four games play out. I mean, it could be picking in the twenties. If you get hot here with Ritter and make the playoffs and that changes the conversation versus picking in the top 10. Uh, So you got to get some information on that guy and see the direction because Mariota, the way it closed down the stretch, he's, he's not the answer next season going forward. This is a stopgap season uh, to get through some of this dead cap to give you a floor option. And I think he provided that, uh, decently well this falcons team is still playing in my opinion above their talent level um the weapons are especially kyle pitts out limited on the perimeter and the defense is lacking big time players at key positions so uh the fact that they're playing above water i think he deserves some credit i see that you know there's some anger about him uh right now and he's a limited quarterback and this might also be a situation where kind of saw it last year with denver fans with teddy bridgewater you know like he's Anybody who's telling you that he's the long-term answer or anything other than a stopgap to give you mm-hmm. competency for a year is either head in the clouds or just full-on deceitful. Yeah, but Teddy uh, was half the price, too. Yeah. You know, Teddy was <clears> – <throat> you were paying Teddy $4 million last year. Marcus got a decent contract. And Nathan says, I thought there was an announcement about him and his wife having their first child recently. That would explain him not being there right away. Like, okay, he took off. He missed a day of practice. I'm not the starter. I'm, I'm, I'm going. But – as that doesn't explain going on IR for a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's where the rub is right now. You left and you're going to go on IR and your head coach is saying he didn't know anything about a knee injury and it hasn't been a problem up until this point. That's a bad look. Um, 
that's a bad look for really for it's not a great look for Arthur Smith to be honest with you. It's not a great look for anybody. Um, and like I said, I'm willing to give a guy that I've known since high school um, <clears throat> when I saw him play over at the uh, offense defense All American. It was interesting. The you know offense defense All American game was the third tier all-star game for high schools behind the Army All-American Bowl and the Under Armour All-American Bowl. And the two quarterbacks of the two teams at that game were Johnny Manziel and Marcus Mariota. So <laughs> fast forward three, four years, and the offense-defense bowl whipped those other two big games. Anyway, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I, I wonder, you know, what's he been – has he been masking this injury? Has he? It's very, very possible these guys get injections and whatnot when they know their job's on the line. Um, that, listen, I'm not going to put my knee through this. If I'm not going to be starter, I'm not going to be starter. I want to go see my wife. I want to go see my baby. And, oh, by the way, my knee's been bugging me for a while. It's it's possible. It is very possible. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt until I have concrete evidence otherwise. Yeah, no doubt. Can come, come in? in? Yeah. And good says, morning. Uh, good morning, fellas. You guys should have a college show. The signing and portal period is insane. I'd have to get back into college. Oh, Nick, Nick, Nick could do it. I, uh, whenever I talk college, it's old stuff. I haven't watched college football in a while. Um, my Saturdays are almost completely eaten up with kids sports that I don't, I just, I haven't watched it and I've, I lost my interest in it a little bit, partially because of the playoffs. Um, man, I used to love watching. I remember one. Ohio State and Texas. It was like August 30th. Three versus five. Man, I'd, I'd set my whole week schedule around a game like that. And I'm like, eh, we'll see who's there in the playoffs. Doesn't matter. They can lose and still be there. The first time I saw it, I got goosebumps. It was perfect for me. I felt like we could go anywhere together. <sighs> There's nothing like finding your match on cars.com. With over 50,000 cars added daily and a powerful advanced search, you're sure to discover the one. Cars.com. It's magical. Click or tap to find your perfect match on Cars.com today. But, you know, that was when there was 11 games instead of 14 and 15, and, and things change. Things yeah. change. And I'm excited for the playoffs to... expanded. I mean, I'm sorry, real, real quick, though, sorry. but I'm... I'm excited, excited because at this point we kind of know who the big prospects are uh, going yeah, into next watch, You're not watching college. You're watching NFL minors. You're yes, watching the I'm development. Okay you're not watching. I watch because I loved I, because I loved the college football and the people I was always around were, you know, I was living on the message boards of every SEC team. I was in that world, living that life. I yeah. once they went to the pros, I didn't pay attention at all. I didn't care. You're, you're not watching college football for college football. You're watching NFL prospects play football. It's, it's partially, different. Partially, yes. Uh, if the Iowa Hawkeyes make the playoffs, I'm damn sure watching. Yeah, but you know football. what I mean. That's, that's you know my team. I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing is th these games still do matter. I'm getting in the playoffs. I like that. But the first round being the the, the one seeds getting to play at the, the top seed being getting to play at home for a college football game, I would kill to see LSU come up and have to play in Wisconsin in November or, de or December or January. Uh, and then also the top four teams having a buy. I mean, there still is uh, ranking uh, for this team. Now that's, you're going to have debates about like the four or five seed and does the debate deserve it versus not, but also the fact that the conference championship games are going to matter. Now I know that you had a big issue with that. I think that's uh, an addition, but again, everything there's no, pros and cons I, to everything. I think it changed life. for me in 2008. I think it was LSU made there was 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 picked to the 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 BCS championship game as a two loss team, and I was like, okay, the the regular season's already been compromised. You're playing 13, 14 games, you're losing twice in the regular season. I it, every game doesn't really matter anymore. You can lose twice and still go to the number one game. Yep, I'm not. I'm not. It, it lost my. It lost the feeling of do or die every single week, which I loved. God, I love that. Um, Anyway, and, and uh, Malone or M M Malin, you'll have to help me out on this one, says uh -huh. um, Atlanta fans love the guy, but are sticklers for results, which trumps like ability. I would absolutely disagree that Atlanta fans are sticklers for results. <laughs> We've had too many losing. We've had way too many losses, man, um, through the years. I get what you're saying, though. I mean, Matt Ryan was super likable and had led the best era this team has ever had. 
Uh, but as the results didn't come in, as he led this team to places they'd only been one time before in multiple NFC championship games. And then, uh, you know, on the, oh God, and here's the ironic part is my viewers versus likes says 28 to three right now. Let's just close the damn, uh, the close. The, I need more likes. Somebody change that score. Okay. Thank you. Now it says 30 to three. <laughs> <laughs> that they turn they 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 do on that and and when they're finished then they will be embraced but you know Marcus Mariota hadn't built up any goodwill of you know through through the through the time on that one um you know and and saying he's going to uh going to the first child and the knee injury saying because uh here where are we saying right here the backup because this is the other point i wanted to have was malone say he'd be a perfect backup and tutor besides not to be there for the team he led for 13 games if he doesn't come back at all then we'll then we'll know he's gone for a couple of days it's wednesday you know off of bye week where he's the backup and he's having a child okay i understand you know it was it it was i understand We'll see you when you get back and be with the team. If he doesn't come back, I got a problem. Nick, would, would you agree with that? Yeah, unless it's, you know, oh, we discovered something and he has to have surgery in the knee or something. I mean, we'll find more information out. Still, we're dealing not with all the information and it's kind yeah, of still He's still under contract, man. He said until, until March or before March when they, they cut him so he doesn't get that, that the, uh, the roster bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause there's no way that, oh, that was the other part I wanted to say, Nick, as far as gut reaction, my other gut reaction on this. And I've said this a few times. I said it in November of last, last year about Calvin Ridley, listening to Arthur Smith talk Desmond. Rid- I did it again. Marcus Mariota has played his last snap as an Atlanta Falcon without a doubt, without a doubt. He is done. Done. Zales. He yeah. is not playing another snap for the Atlanta Falcons. He wasn't ever going to see a snap on that contract next year anyway. It was a $10 million cap savings with a $2 million dead cap hit. That's a one-year contract. Um, but I, I agree. He, you know, unless he's in a wheelchair uh, and it's he's doing something, but obviously it's not that bad because um, he was able to play and probably would have been playing this week if uh, if he was still the starter, that uh, – I, I agree. He should he should be back and helping with this team and helping to mentor uh, Desmond Ritter. Yep, hundred percent. It's a, it's a bummer, especially because you're one play away from having to start Logan Woodside, Felipe Franks, and you are still very much in the playoffs, uh, in the in the thick of things. Not in the playoffs, but in the hunt uh, with your record right now. So it's it stings. If this team was you know way out of the playoffs and the Buccaneers sewed it up a while ago or something, then the season's over. Okay, but you're. You know, you're still fighting for something uh, out there. This one, there's still it needs to be belief and pulling in the same direction. And this goes against it. So I don't fault any of the fans for having the very upset reaction to it. Uh, I'm not as emotionally attached to, to this team, in this situation. So again, I'm just very, very much waiting to see on more information because this is not the last we'll hear about it. Well, and, and Nick, most, most media members aren't like us where we're willing mm-hmm. to say, give the benefit of the doubt. There's a lot of people out there that are going to write the shock headlines. I wrote a shock headline and that's a shock. Cause like, again, Ooh. was, Ooh. was, did he quit? That's not, he quit on the Falcons. He left the team. I didn't, you know, in, in writing that up, I, I, in the, Josh Kendall did that factually. It was a surprise that he's not here. And Arthur Smith gave a nice soundbite. He's not here. And that was surprising to him. There's a um, journalistic um, rule that says like any article that has a question in it, the answer is almost always no. Any article <laughs> title like is yeah, blah, 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 wash. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can agree with that to, a, yeah. to I have to, I have to start checking myself on that one. Did he mm-hmm. No, I don't, I don't think he quit on the team. I, I don't. And and as a professional, you know, we're talking about Matt Ryan right now. And, and a skyline comes in. He says Matt Ryan was a stat stuffer only. His stats are respectable. Uh, however, his results didn't make him elite uh, respectfully. Uh, it, it is a team game. And as far as the failings of the Falcons under in the Matt Ryan era, I will put a lot of that at the feet of Thomas Dimitrov and his inability to address the lines of scrimmage or the entire defensive side of the ball. Um, that said... <clears throat> There's a month left in this season. When we talk about Matt Ryan, you may not have paid attention this year, but he got benched. And to a man, every single player gave interviews, 
Jeff Saturday came in and gave interviews. He said, and I asked players around me, the way he treated Sam Ellinger uh, when this happened was nothing but professional. That's what I expect from Marcus Mariota for the last month of this season. And if he's not there, we've got a problem with the legacy of Marcus Mariota. If he's gone even just half this week, so be it. So be it. Okay. But you're being paid, what's he on, about $13, $14 million. Um, In soccer, they, they call it by the week. So... A million dollars a week is fifty million dollars a quarter. He's on two hundred fifty thousand dollars a week, Nick, on a fifty on a fifty week contract. Same. His ass needs to be there doing a job, uh, yep. and I will have a problem uh, yep. if he if he wasn't. Yeah, and can you pull up Nathan Floyd's comment here? Sorry, as I get you at the comment uh, as you're taking a sip. Nine million dollars. Good morning, to you, Nathan. Enjoy the dogs logo. Pulling for. I'm pulling for a good game against Ohio State. I'm a Big Ten guy, uh, but Georgia versus Michigan is probably what it should be. Uh, Nathan Floyd, $9 million base salary, $14.5 million total dead cap hit. He's not going to be here with $2.5 million dead cap it. 100%. He's not going to be here. We saw this Falcons team. as a They're fine with the massive dead cap hit, and uh, you are looking to move on next season. You can bring in a quarterback for cheap uh, to compete with Ritter or potentially a draft pick or, or both. Uh, obviously, free agency precedes. Uh, the draft, so you could see both being the case there. Of all the new players, and I said this for the last year, of all the new players that have that have come to the team, every single one of them, except maybe the, the with the uh, except Cordero Patterson, is on a, either on a rookie deal or a one year deal. But Scott Marcus Mariota has a two year contract. No, he doesn't. He's nah. got a one year deal with a one year option that he'll never see, nah. ever, never, ever, never, ever. Here you go. And, and Nathan's pointing out why. They're, they're eating a $40 million dead cap hit on Matt Ryan, and you're going to worry about $2 million on Marcus Mariota. Um, another thing, and I, I could see the wheels spinning. I'll have to pull this up um, later. Maybe we do it next time. I could see the wheels spinning in Arthur Smith's head when he's talking about making the decision. He goes, this is probably the best decision we could, you know, this is a decision we could make for uh, – for the team in the short term, that's why we did it. This was performance related. This wasn't knee related. This wasn't anything like that. This was performance related. We're trying to get over the hump. We've been in a lot of close games. Desmond Ritter is ready. This is the best decision we could make for the team in the short term. And probably in that pause, probably felt like in his mind, I heard him go, oh, crap. Now I have to say it. The long term. <laughs> so Arthur Smith goes probably the best decision we can make in the short term and probably the the long term I'm like oh no Arthur Smith just commits to Desmond Ritter for the long term he just reveals his plans at the quarterback position you know is uh I could see him and just go you know the way he doesn't want to give anything away he's hiding state secrets and all this kind of stuff I I, I just know Nick he just went damn it <laughs> as soon as he said that yeah, I mean, it's also the fact that things change so rapidly uh, in the NFL landscape. Let's say you go through the evaluation process and the Falcons are head over heels with the potential of Anthony Richardson and what he can do in this offense, uh, having a running a quarterback with his level of athleticism and the deep shots. Um, then you're not committing to Ritter in the long term, but you're you're starting to gather information whether or not that's a possibility. And you can kick that can for a year. The one thing that I would argue is tough about that is this is probably the worst the Falcons record is going to be for a while, uh, given the talent increase that they're going to have just simply by the fact that they're going to be able to spend some money on the defensive side of the ball. And you might be picking top 10 this year. Well, let's say it's top 18 next year or 22 or something like that. Much harder to get up to get that quarterback versus uh, already being in there. I mean, moving up from seven to five is completely different than moving up from 18 to, to 10, you know, that's a totally different package. So it be interesting to see how it plays out here. And this is a, might be a, if committing to Ritter this off season might be committing to him for the next few seasons, uh, given where you might be picking. I, I agree. Um, if, in, unless it goes all completely South and then yeah, next year, possible. cause you know, and then you're, you're drafted number one and then you're going to be doing everything new because if you go one in 16 next year, in Arthur Smith's third year, you're going to have a new coach. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a good segue. We're at 29 million min- minutes. I am going to just call that about halfway point of the show. And we'll start moving on to the draft. And we can get into the conversation as, as y'all want to ask. 
um, with Luke Wright coming in right here. Luke Wright's coming in. says, good morning, Nick and Scott coming in on YouTube. Uh, as y'all are coming in, make sure you hit that like button. Uh, like and or share, both is great. Uh, help us find more Falcons fans, more football fans, just like you. Um, and Mullen comes in, he says, a lot of teams had Ritter as a first QB in the draft um, and has been compared to Staubach. That's an old Roger the Dodger. I'm sure he wanted the chance to beat Pickett versus the Steelers. Well, he was the second pick in the draft, so uh, it doesn't surprise me um, that uh, you know that a lot of teams would have had him in the best. There wasn't a consensus. A consensus, or a lot of teams had Malik Willis as the top pick in this draft, um, as far as quarterbacks go. But it wasn't it wasn't a great quarterback class, and I think the Falcons got a steal in the third round. I had mocked him several times with their first pick in the second round, saying this is a good place to take a quarterback, and and I liked. Uh, Desmond Ritter. However, moving on to Todd McShay's uh, mock draft on uh, on ESPN. Like I said, I've I've had my problems with Todd McShay through the years, and I think it's probably um, just jealous. He's you know he's got better hair, better suits. Uh, you know he's he is on ESPN. No, but he he's had some real head scratchers in the past. I'm like, dude, what are you what are you watching? Are you even watching anything? But I think he's done a decent job the last two seasons for sure. And he came out. And one, he had the Falcons taking quarterback Will Levis out of Kentucky with the number six pick. Um, I my my best friend saw it first and emailed me. He's like, "What the hell? He's a Georgia fan. Lots of Georgia fans in here. He graduated from the University of Georgia." He's like, "I've watched this guy a hundred times. He's terrible." Uh, Nick, what is your initial reaction to let's say the Falcons were able to get Will Levis in the draft? Would that be somebody that you would? what you would advocate for you say okay yeah that's uh that's a good pick for the falcons assuming that means desmond Ritter wasn't the guy he's going to be very controversial in this draft uh will levis it's very much reminds me of the not to the same extent but the 2018 draft where you know baker mayfield's at the great college with the great system but mm-hmm. lacking in some tools and then you have josh allen who's like all the athleticism arm talent but erratic results uh guys just dropping passes around him not the best offensive supporting cast around him. And obviously, again, not to the same extent of uh, Josh Allen versus Baker Mayfield, but still, you look at Will Levis. It's a different level of competition also. Yes. Yep, you know, Josh true. Allen may have been playing with other, I don't know what conference that is, Mountain West. Yep. Mountain West, but he's playing against other Mountain West guys. You know, he's, yeah. and Kentucky's improved for sure. And I've gotten into the past about, the, the strategy of making Kentucky better yeah. and going North to recruit is better for them than going South. Yeah. Uh, there's less competition and it's, it's really helped them. Um, but Kentucky is at a disadvantage from a talent perspective, eight of 12 games they play. Yeah. I, I will say though, for Kentucky there, they lost wide receivers from last year to this year. Uh, Wondell Robinson, I think, went in the second round, and they did not replace pass catchers. I think they lost three offensive linemen that they also uh, did not replace very well. So this team was worse this year uh, than last year. Um, I will say I was pretty impressed with him in the bowl game last season, the Citrus Bowl, uh, where Kentucky played and beat Iowa, and Will Levis made some, like, and if that's like that's an NFL quarterback with the arm talent and the athleticism in the frame, and he's more prototype uh, than at least today's prototype than the uh, Bryce Youngs or the CJ Strouds of the world, uh, playing with playing and elevating lesser talent, uh, more natural arm talent, bigger frame, and a better athlete. I will say he is way less consistent. Um, you see way less splash plays, granted, with way less caliber athletes around him. Um, but for me, it's the do you buy into the the character. Um, one thing that I've learned coming back to the 2018 draft is that for when I go for the quarterback position early in the draft, I'm looking for three things and two of them are intangible. So it's really hard to quantify and you can't know unless you sit down with the guy, the work ethic. I'm even gonna call it the Mamba mentality. You see it with Jalen hurts like this guy. He doesn't just want to be great. He needs it. Like you and I need air. If he's not great, he dies. Uh, that kind of <laughs> attitude um, from the quarterback position. You listen to Mahomes, you listen to Jalen Hurts, you listen to Josh Allen, they have that. Um, the intelligence, another intangible, it's hard for us to dissect there. What we can dissect is the physical traits, the arm talent plus the frame plus the mobility and athleticism. So I need to have all three if I'm swinging top 10 on these guys. And Will Levis, 
he's one that actually passes the tangible side of things for me. Now, he's not the same level athlete as a Lamar Jackson, a Justin Fields, doesn't have the arm talent of a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. But as far as those overall package of skills, I could see it. The tape is erratic. But if you buy into the person, the work ethic and the, the intelligence, I could I could see an argument for it. But mm-hmm. again, too, we're too detached from that um, to fully know that for sure. So the draft network two weeks ago, I think, had uh, had Will Levis going number one overall. Yeah, uh, changing things up I was like, wow, that's that's strange. The other part of McShay's draft pick, and I think he used a probability of Super Bowl or something. I don't know what it was, but he had the Falcons picking sixth. Um, I don't think they're going to pick that high. I, I think at worst they go one and three over the course by getting at least a a win against the uh, uh, the Cardinals at home. I think they can win that game and then pick up one of three against the Ravens, uh, a Lamar Jacksonless Raiders of uh, Ravens, if that's who it is against the saints. I won't be completely surprised if they beat the saints and then the Buccaneers in the last game of the season at home, they can beat the bucks. Yeah. So, you know, even if it's a 30% chance in each of those three games, you say how you factor probability is by taking the fail rate, which in this case would be 70%. And multiplying it three times. So 0.7 times 0.7 is 0.49 times 0.7 ends up being like 0.28. We'll call that 0.3. That means you got a 70% chance of winning one of those three games. So I think they're they're not going to pick as high as six anyway. That's my question on that. Um, And if it's if it's Will Levis, if I'm not sold on Will Levis, I again I haven't seen enough yet, and we haven't seen Desmond Ritter here and. I think it was Joe. He came in on Facebook. He says, I don't understand how we can have us drafting Will Levis before we get to see Ritter play. It's just the unknown. I mean, that's, that's his job. Um, you know, right now we don't know that the, if the Falcons have a quarterback or not, they're picking in the top 10 and a quarterback is available. I'm going to check this box. It makes sense. Um, and to add on to that, just real quick. I mean, mm-hmm. you haven't seen Ritter play, but the Falcons have made their, have made an evaluation of Ritter. They decided that he was worth a third round draft pick. And obviously the NFL side is unknown. There's always that he could hit, but the historical rate for non top 20 drafted quarterbacks in the last decade is not great. I think I can think of four quarterbacks right now in the NFL that are really maybe five, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, if you want to debate him or not, but Derek Carr, again, another one, Dak Prescott, Kirk cousins, and uh, Jalen hurts. Jalen hurts is the most recent one, but pretty much the NFL has done a pretty good job of evaluating the haves versus the have nots in at the uh, quarterback position. So in the first round, you have your miss uh, hits and misses, but most of the quality starters don't fall outside of the first round. Uh, So it's not just you're building on nothing. You did make an evaluation last year and so did the league uh, with Ritter falling to the third round. Now that's not to say uh, Ritter won't have there. And Russell Wilson, I see Malone, Malone Wilson, Russell Wilson was the third. Russell Wilson was drafted over a decade ago. So I, I did add the caveat of 10 years. Yeah. It's um, been a while. I mean, Tom yeah. Brady, you know, there's, there's several out there, but no. you go through the list of quarterbacks, you know, in the last five, six, seven years, they're all, most of them are first round draft picks. Uh, yeah. And I get that. But again, it doesn't mean you can't be the exception for sure, no, but those are usually not. the rules approve the exceptions and Ritter. That was a strange, that was a strange class. It really yes, it was. was. I, R- Ritter is a good player. I mean, there were, there's talks of Malik Willis going top five, you know, and then he falls in like what the fourth round or something, you know? So I I was at the senior bowl. We were, I was Mm -hmm. lucky enough to that. And and this rarely happens where the top quarterbacks on the board were seniors and they were all there. And my gut reaction there was, I don't want any of these guys in the first round. I just don't see the, the, the consistency Malik Willis has the arm strength and mobility, but he's on the shorter side and man, he's erratic as hell throwing the ball. Um, Desmond Ritter is close. He's a little thin, uh, not quite the howitzer arm. I want in a first round guy, but second round. Yes, please. I'm interested. Can he pick it so limited physically that he's just not a first round type of talent. So it happens. Um, let me hit on Alec here real quick, who came in and AE says, good morning. Good morning, AE. And Alec comes in. He says, Hey, Scott, Nick, who do you see being the next rivalry in the South? I think it's probably be Falcons versus Panthers. I see the saints and bucks falling off due to cap issues and roster age. So rivalry is one thing. Um, those don't change. It's the saints and Falcons. Those are, that's the saints and the Falcons biggest rivalry. It will be like that for eternity. Um, 
these teams are all fairly close enough now and play each other twice a year that they're all divisional rivals to a certain extent. I, I you know, but the question here asks like, who do you think is going to be fighting for supremacy in the NFC South? And if, if the NFC South has shown you anything in, in the last 20 years is it rotates pretty well, mm-hmm. um, which is how the, the NFL wants it. They, they want everybody to come in and, and have their chance and come back in and out of it. But I think the Falcons are definitely on the ascendancy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're right there in the thick of things in the South. You know, that's a relative term also with a $98 million active cap. And if they, I are, holy cow, I didn't even thought of this, Nick. If they, I are Marcus Mariota, it drops into the eighties an $80 million active salary cap, active roster for their, their, their salary cap. That's about 40%. I've joked about, you know, they, they're playing with half a team. They'd have $80 million on the field of a possible like 210. And they're competitive. Yeah. When they're playing with a full deck, this team, this team's going to be dangerous as they, as they get the pieces together and mash, mismatch. Cause I, I think Arthur Smith does a really good job with what he's got. Now, Nick, I guess the question is, is can he then, you've seen coaches who are good at, getting blue collar guys to play above their heads. But as you give them a step up to the next level, then they, they don't know how to handle the egos or to, to work with a a higher level of player. You know, can Arthur Smith be that guy? I'm interested to find out. That's for sure. Yeah. We'll be interesting. No doubt. As far as the NFC South, I mean, you mentioned it. The Broncos have been getting their butts kicked by the chiefs for a bit and chargers are better but the two most relevant teams in the AFC West are the biggest rivals, in my opinion, in the uh, Broncos and the Raiders. We hate each other. Maybe the Raiders would say the Chiefs right now because they've been so good. Uh, but uh, and nobody really hates the Chargers. Uh, they're just they don't really have the crap talking fans to have that. Uh, but they haven't, they haven't had the success. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's, you know, they, yeah. they just they, they haven't had the success. You know, the, awesome. the loved, hated, but never ignored. That is about teams that are good. Yeah, you know that's it's you know the Chargers, the Falcons, you know un- unfortunately that they're they're fairly irrelevant in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know I think if you do a if you do a you know I look it up every so often all time winning percentages. I think the Falcons are thirty first. Mm-hmm. I think the Buccaneers are thirty second as far as it. like the the two worst Not teams Detroit. in the history of this league. Detroit. I it might be. I'll Detroit's look it up been so I'll bad for a bit. Point, but, I'll look it up. Uh, but my point. Um, I was getting to here about the NFC South long-term picture. I think the Falcons sit in a good spot. If I was doing like long-term bets, you know, futures bets on the way this uh, division is set up, I think I'd probably pick the Panthers. Um, I really like how their defense is built. They got building block pieces at every single level of the defense and their offensive line. They got three-ish guys that are really talented and a number one wide receiver. Obviously, the quarterback is a big a big question. They don't trust their drop-back passing game at all for good reason. But I think they're in a position to go get a quarterback. And it does sound like, you know, talking, bringing it full circle here. Um, God, I cannot remember who the Panthers owner is. It does sound like he's a little bit head over heels um, interested in Will Levis and might make a aggressive move up the board to go get a Will Levis uh, to add him to this Panthers team. Well, so, they might not have to go up too high. You know, they're sitting there at five and nine, too, I think, or five and eight also. You might have to still, uh, given, yeah. you know, we talked about, you mentioned earlier the PF, uh, pro. The Draft Network mock that had Will Levis going number one overall. You have, uh, I think, Pro Football Focus has Will Levis at number two overall. Um, again, the, we, we've been, you know, and it's because partially because of the Blue Buds and everybody seeing them and the big numbers and everything, but like Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. Now we're getting to the NFL side of things where things are getting leaked from the, the teams versus, you know, the media. Um, and it's starting to be like, okay, well, maybe Will Levis is up there. Maybe somebody's more intrigued by the tools and traits and upside of Anthony Richardson than the pocket prep passer CJ Stroud, who somewhat struggles under uh, pressure when things are not perfect for him in the pocket. You know, those kind of things are start to get leaked and uh, different perspectives come out. So we'll see how it plays out. The bottom five teams in the history of the NFL, Houston Texans, Atlanta Falcons, Arizona Cardinals, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's um, wild. Gatorade Gaming comes and he says Cleveland. The Browns uh, pre-Super Bowl era, which was a lot of football, like 50 years, were, were a powerhouse. Um, Autogram. So, so, yeah, they and Jim Brown, 
They yeah. uh, they were they won like several um, NFL championships pre Super Bowl era. So NFL's been playing for a hundred years. First half of it, they were really good. It's like looking at Army and say, how is Army in all of these things? Or Notre Dame these days, for goodness sakes. <laughs> it's because black and white era, they were they were really good. They they've been playing a long time in Cleveland, but in my lifetime. And I'm old. I'm Super Bowl era. Is uh, they they haven't been uh, they haven't been that way for sure. Um, I I mean best case, and someone asked me this before. Best case, you know, what's the best case for the Falcons? And the best case is that Ritter goes out there and is looks really good over the course of the next several games, because you've got your quarterback locked in on a million dollars for the next you know three seasons, and you can start investing some of these high picks somewhere else. Like if I'm looking at the uh, at some of the guys picking just behind there, he's got the Colts McShay's draft on ESPN. He's got the Colts taking Peter Skoronsky, offensive tackle Northwestern. Offensive tackle becomes a big priority if Caleb McGarry signs somewhere else. Now you've got to start thinking about using that top ten pick on an offensive tackle. Um, th- that that enters into play, so that will be key. And I I, I like the chances of McGarry getting a good contract from the Falcons, but you, you can never underestimate somebody coming in and doing something 50% over market value, Nick. Yeah. Yep. No, that's uh you hit some of those, but sometimes you get the guys that are also 50% under market value, uh, unfortunately. And also you got some wide receiver talk about the draft as well. Scott, I'm starting to get excited. <laughs> starting to get into that time of year. Uh, I don't think this is the best wide receiver class coming out here this year. Personally. Now I will say full disclosure, Wide receiver is probably my weakest position in terms of evaluation. I just, you know, have the least amount of technical uh, knowledge on that that's, position. And that's your problem. You think it matters. The fit that I don't know what's go- going on as much for the wide <laughs> you receiver. You think it matters. Big, fast, strong, can he catch? Good. I hit all those check marks. I'm good. It, don't overthink it, man. It's an, yeah, athlete, it, it's an athlete game. It is an athlete game, but at the same time, you have like, Justin Jefferson, who was only an okay athlete out there in comparison to some of the true height, weight, speed freaks. He was the fourth wide receiver drafted in that class. And he's now arguably number one in the entire NFL. Yeah. And, and then, and then, you know, you watch your body control and hands on some of those guys, yeah. you know, how do they, how do they use her? And, and, and some of it's just, again, the stuff you can't measure. I talk about that with quarterbacks all the time. What makes quarterbacks so hard to evaluate is it's the stuff that is the least amount of measurables that matter. You have to have the enough is he big enough fast enough enough arm then it's up here and it's right here and i'm for yeah. those of you listening on the pod later i pointed to my head and my heart you know or your processing ability and, and how much do you want it but he also um, pointed no, i agree south. with you because jarvis landry ran off like a 471 for me at a combine and i still put five stars next to his name because again if you watch him enough it, it just it didn't matter like all the guy does is get open and make catches and quan mm-hmm. bolden was a 48 um Going back to, you know, Jefferson was probably, you know, he wasn't a four, two, five. He may have been last year on that track they ran last year, though, Nick. Um, but, you know, Justin Jefferson. And, and and maybe the most recent example for this, Nick, for me, is, is, is Odell Beckham. You know, his he's not – there isn't anything about him physically that stands out other than his ability to catch a ball. Well, that's still the most important one. You know, he knows how his – is you know, we talk about quarterbacks delivering from different arm angles. Some of these guys are like that catching the ball, you know, yeah. horseshoes and hand grenades and Odell Beckham. Just get it close, man. He'll catch it. Yeah. And another one, um, who's the best wide receiver in football right now? Tyree kill. We can make an argument with that one. The fastest guy in the league that's built like a small running back. That one makes sense. But Justin Jefferson ran fine at the combine, but not elite. And Devonte Adams also, I mean, not an incredible tester or size six, one, two, twelve. So he's got decent size there, but for the, for the mass, but ran a four, five, six, 40. I mean, the broad jump 123. I mean, his most of his numbers here are in he the uh, he was early two, I believe, or late but, one. But yeah, that's the point, which is again why I don't like spending. I don't necessarily want to spend it unless I've got all that in a six guy that's six five. That's why I didn't I didn't want Drake London. I didn't want them using the number eight last year because I can get good receivers down the line. And that's the other part of it, Nick, is a lot of the receivers. There, it's it's not that hard to find guys that can run and catch. It's hard to find guys that can run and hit and run and cover. That's why I like spending those picks a little earlier on the defensive side of the ball. 
We disagree just a tad on the current market of the wide receivers and where they're going. You were talking about like those guys you want to think a lot of them are gone by the Falcons second pick. If I do recall last season. Um, and yeah, the especially second... the guy I really wanted, which was Christian Watson. Yeah. Uh, he mm-hmm. went like 35. Yep. Yeah, so he and... was, he was quicker, but you, you know, again, and it wasn't a great trade down, but you know, when you're taking the first wide receiver and five more go right after that, you're taking a gamble that you got it right. Yeah. You know, could I have moved back from eight to 12 and gotten another third round pick, another second round pick? Yeah. To me, that's where this team was. Not I'm Drake London over Chris Olave away. And I'm so confident that it's Drake London is the right guy that I, by God, I'm staying here, even though the Bears are offering me a third and a fourth to move back three spots. You know, that's where it starts. The, the questions, like I said, questions are easy. Answers are hard. I don't have the answers on that. Yeah. But to be so cocksure of yourself to pay, take Drake London number eight when there's five more guys in the next six picks, seven picks is questionable in my opinion. Yeah. And we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but just to the, coming back to bring this point home, I think the, I mean, given what wide receivers are getting paid right now and how much your teams are living in 11 personnel and seeing on the Denver side of things right now, what it looks like when you don't have guys out there, if you believe a wide receiver can be a wide receiver one in this league, I think it's a, I think it's okay to use that first round evaluation. I think when you're living more so in that uh, 21 and 12 personnel world and the wide receivers were not as uh, jumping off the board like they are now, and they weren't getting paid crazy contracts for wide receiver threes, uh, then I was a little bit more um, with you in that one. But I think just the wide receiver market has exploded, and it's because they are so valuable getting difference makers there. But yep. and you know, it, it depends on who's there. Again, not every yeah. draft is going to have six guys in the top 13 or 14 picks. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm speaking in, on this one last year. And, uh, you know, Ryan says Drake London was a great pick. You will see. And, again, he, he I, I like Drake London. Okay, I think I think he is a good player, and the philosophy I've said a zillion times is it's not the guys you miss that kill you; it's the guys you take and can't play that kill you. Drake London can play, all right. What I'm saying, Ryan, is you had the the pick of the litter at that spot. Were you so confident that he was so much better than everybody else that you would dismiss the idea of moving down and taking Chris Olave, uh, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams? Uh, right now, if I'm looking at, you know, receiving yards by the teams, and a lot of this has to do with the, the the situation you're in, and Drake London should be applauded for getting as many yards as he has in this situation he's in with Marcus Mariota and Arthur Smith. But Chris Olave has almost 900 yards. Garrett Wilson has almost 900 yards. George Pickens, a guy we all really liked in the second round, has 600 yards. And then Drake London has 533 with Alec Pierce, another second-round pick at 410. And Christian Watson has 410. This says, uh, oh, that's uh, receiving yards, and now he has seven touchdowns, I think, all in the last four weeks. Um, is a good pick, you know? So, uh, again, I'm happy with the pick, but, uh, again, my question for Terry Fontenot would be, and he would never tell me, but I, I'd like to know is, with Kyle Pitts, what was your option to move down? With Drake London, what was your option to move down? Because this team was in dire need of players. And on top of that, they're in dire need of cheap players. Again, if they IR Marcus Mariota, they're going to have about $89 million on the field on game days. $89 million on the field. They needed as many cheap players as they could get. And I'm not so convinced that Drake London was such a head and shoulders better pick than the other guys that went immediately after him that trading down wasn't a better option. Yeah, we'll never know what was available or not. And uh, Ryan makes a good point, too. I think the London conversation has much to do about identity and scheme as anything else. I mean, Chris Olave would be great for a team that's to- tossing it around 50 times. But London was the one with the the size and the physicality to his game where he can be an impact player in that max personnel uh, drop or max protection drop back game and the physical blocking. So, again, not to rehash it too much because we talked about it a lot, but I think it from a specific fit, it makes sense. I was more of a Jamison Williams and a Garrett Wilson fan last mm-hmm. cycle, but coming down to the culture and identity and fit uh, for what you want to do, I think London makes a lot of sense. Now you probably need a Z, somebody who can uncover a lot versus man coverage or a field stretcher. Um, but I think you can find some guys there or even uh, pay somebody. Uh, I would be 
kind of skeptical to pay a wide receiver given what the market is last year. I mean, the Christian Kirk one still gives me shivers. Maybe that's just the Jags being the Jags and overpaying people. But uh, that that one, that's the one where, you know, when we referenced contracts and where it all went crazy. Oh yeah. Remember that Christian Kirk deal that just set off the whole chain of events. Yeah. It's like, Oh, he's a good wide receiver three, maybe a low end two. He got what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. So there will be a, there, there will be a bounce back on that. You know, and you've seen it already. You trade Devonte Adams. You trade. Uh, there was a, you trade Tyreek Hill. You know, no, I'm not. I'm not giving 15 percent of my salary cap to this guy. Um, I'm gotta pay my quarterback and my defense. Yeah. I'll I'll go draft somebody and plug him in and have him cost controlled for a while. There will be a course correction on that in the near future as well. Rich coming in. Good morning, Rich. So good morning, guys. I'm excited about Ritter. I hope he's the next franchise quarterback. I hope we can finally draft an impact edge rusher or any DL help in the upcoming draft. Uh, and it's the snowman from Anchorage, Alaska. Well, good morning to you. It's bright and early, about 6 a.m. that Rich is joining us. And uh, we're talking about the Drake Levis pick at number six. And one, I don't think the Falcons are going to pick six. I think they're going to pick a little bit lower than that. I think the worst they finish this year is six and 11, but it'll probably be another seven and 10. So the other players that were in there, Nick, um, that go immediately after, I mentioned offensive tackle out of Northwestern, seven to the Colts. They've poured so much into their offensive line already that 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 seems a little strange to me. I know they've struggled, but my God. Uh, But how about eight going to the Raiders? This would be a good pick for the Falcons and probably where they're going to end up anyway is around that eight spot again. It's defensive end Tyree Wilson for Texas Tech. Is that your edge rusher, your number one, to pair and bookend with Arnold Ebiketti for the next decade, and you're good at the pass rush? It definitely would help a lot. He's a power rusher. I'm coming. You think he's going to be at the Senior Bowl unless he does that thing where he's accepted and then backs out at his agent's uh, digression, or he goes in there and dominates one practice and then is out of there. Uh, right now, again, I'm still pretty early in this uh as far as the top prospects because the Broncos are probably not going to be looking for a lot of those guys. So I start bottomed. Uh, more about the range where they, I think they're going to be picking. Just off of viewings, though, I think I probably have Miles Murphy over uh, Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from Clemson. But uh, either of those are going to be interesting picks, no doubt. And um, it depends on what you want scheme-wise as well. Do you want the more of the stand-up guy who's versatile can drop into space to replace some of the Lorenzo Carter reps? Or do you want to become more of that Titans, Bills, pocket-crunching kind of teams with a physical presence that, uh, you know, just as good on first and second down as the third down and can you know, move over a shaded nose tackle or the four eye or something with some different kind of pressure packages on those rushdowns. So we'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You also have some interior defensive line options there early. Brian Brisset, uh, an option. I think you are probably out of the Jalen Carter uh, sweepstakes. I would argue yeah, that. He's, the, yeah, he's a pipe dream. Yeah, I, I would argue that the Texans should take Jalen Carter number one overall. Uh, but um, that's a uh, definitely a d- debate. Uh, for this team. And I think cornerback is also one that you would have to debate uh, for this team. Just get one of those guys, a defensive line edge or defensive tackle and cornerback and get a building block piece there. Uh, That's probably the way I would argue to go. If you don't get a, a, uh, excuse me, if you don't get a quarterback first round. So there was some talk about AJ Brown getting traded. I kind of forgot about him. He signed a a four year, hundred million dollar contract. Okay. What is it really? It's four years with 57 guaranteed. So it's four years at about 15 per. That's similar money to what, um, what's the guy we were talking about? Christian Kirk, Kirk got. Um, in the first four years, his dead cap. So they could get out of it in 2025, where his cap it goes from 22 and his dead cap to 15. And after 2025 is when you see where he will get out of it. Well, they'll restructure or something. He'll be, only be 29 years old. Uh, at 38 million cap hit with an eight, seven dead cap. So it's a four year deal um, with the 57 guaranteed. So that's, that's a pretty good contract for the Philadelphia Eagles. If you ask me for what they're getting out of that. And um, they're able to do that. Why Nick, are they able to spend in other places? Rookie cost controlled quarterback. And there also <laughs> they set up their team really well with uh, draft picks. I mean, Howie Roseman's been, doing better with draft capital than any team in the NFL. Not as far as the picks year to year, but the pick pick acquisition. You know, he's somebody that I'd be like, 
I've been wanting to do this for years. Bill Belichick made a career off of it early in the mid 2000s. Okay, we're going to move back from the first round and you're going to give us your third round pick this year. And guess what else? You're going to give us your first round pick next year. Mm. Um, And that's just keep punting, kicking that can. And uh, it's worked out pretty well for them. Uh, So we'll see how it uh, continues to play out. And also AJ Brown um, had some injuries and whatnot. That's another reason they're interested in moving on. And it wasn't just the open market AJ Brown deal. It was, we had to give up a first round pick to have that exclusive uh, contract negotiation with them. So there is a little bit of a other cost. Well, there we're seeing some more did. of that where some of these yeah. big name receivers are being moved yep. because the exorbitant cost that they're getting, and that will correct itself, I believe over the next two or three years uh, where it's going to be tough for a guy like Christian Kirk to get 15 million a year. Um, or not. Wood I, comes in I mean, talking about DVOA. We meant to, meant to shout you out on this because we saw this as we were signing off the other day, Colin, um, where you said when that SOB starts talking DVOA, you know, we listen ASAP. I'm like, that was, that was funny. That got a laugh. That got a good chuckle out of both of us. So well done, uh, Colin Wood. But what I heard you saying, even if I'm not listening to specific names as much, Nick, what I'm hearing is there will be options in that eight to 10 range for defensive linemen where the Falcons could still use a bunch of help. I would argue that that's the case. Um, mm-hmm. Or you have a chance to trade down. There's going to be a plethora of offensive tackles where you are. And I think there's a pretty big drop off at offensive tackle talent. Most teams, 95% of teams need offensive tackle talent. So maybe you could move down five spot and get an extra second round pick this year and a third in 2024. That, and um, that's going to have a lot to do with, with what, cause they're, I, I believe they're going to restructure Jake Matthews. Um, at what point do you stop doing that? Because that dead cap hit is going to come home to roost eventually they could get out from under that albatross next season, but he would have to have the highest cap hit in the history of the offensive lineman by far. I think the highest cap hit this year is like 22 or 23. He's due a $37 million cap hit next year. That's prime for a restructure, but restructure adds years and it adds a dead cap number when you're not going to want him. We've seen it with Julio Jones. We've seen it with Matt Ryan. We saw it with Deion Jones. The, the salary cap is a myth as long as the player is playing well. Then I just extend and move it down the line. When I'm ready to move on for that player, that dead cap hit becomes an anchor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. So uh, we'll see what they do there. I mean, maybe you just take your lumps just there this season. Yeah, to do it. Just pay it. <laughs> yeah, just pay it. And then maybe you set up McGarry's contract where his cap hit is low in 2023. And then a year that after Matthew's contract is yeah. plummets or you have, can move on from it, then you can have McGarry's contract. Explode we'll as well. we'll you have can, a good idea about offensive tackle. And I'm hoping they don't go into this draft thinking they need an offensive tackle because they've, I, you know, 12 months ago, if I had said this, I would have been, are you out of your mind? Because they re-signed Caleb McGarry. I, I'd like Caleb McGarry to be on a shorter, shorter term team deal, you know, give him five years, five years at, 65 or 70 that's basically a three-year deal at 15 per um you know three years with 45 guaranteed and you've got and if he plays like he has this year i'm pretty darned happy i really am um you know pff pff has him a top 10 offensive tackle in football this year Uh, my eye test has told me he's been really really good um and he's earned it and I hope he he sticks it up. I wish I'd gotten this out of him the previous, you know, at least two of the previous three years, but you've got it now. It'll be easier to re-sign him than it is to try and replace him, Nick, I believe. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays. Excited to see what happens with uh, Desmond Ritter, and it seems like the Falcons are potentially a team in the quarterback hunt. We'll have a lot of fun debating that this season, and – we're going to have to put on our Scott will hate this one a little bit. We'll have to put on our scheme hat a little bit with Arthur Smith for the quarterback debate, I believe, because some of these guys, even if they are talented, probably don't fit as much to what the the design is of the team. And, and part of it, I wonder, well, I think we'll have a better idea too when we see Desmond Ritter, because he's a better thrower. He, he's mm-hmm. a, he's a, he's, and he's still not your laser focused, accurate passer, you mm-hmm. know, and, and Steve and Steve Tannehill, I've done that before. Ryan Tannehill, Steve Tannehill was a, flamboyant Gamecocks quarterback, I think, in the early 90s. Um, Ryan Tannehill wasn't exactly the guy, guy went to Texas A&M or Texas Tech, wherever the hell he went, as a wide receiver. You know, he's still not a pure pocket guy. So my question is, if I've got a quarterback with some mobility and some accuracy, 
does my I, I think Arthur Smith's scheme would adjust to take advantage of the throwing ability of a player where right now he's adjusting to make up for the deficiencies of his throwers. So hopefully we will see more of Ritter throwing the ball well and we'll get a better idea of what his scheme can be. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, a lot of fun conversation today. A lot of quarterback and team building stuff. We're entering our favorite time of the year, um, especially the time that you and I are oh too familiar with, given the given the current landscape of our team's playoff chances. I grew up in the '80s with the Falcons. The Falcons had one winning season in the '80s. It was 1980. I was seven years old, so I grew up from eight to 17 watching the NFL draft. I didn't watch it at eight. I did start watching it. My first real draft that I started paying attention was the '88 draft. So I was uh, I was 15. That was Andre Bruce, number one overall. Marcus Cotton at the top. They Falcons thought they had their bookend outside linebackers for a long time. But on that note, we are going to get out of here. I'm really looking forward to, and I know you are too, seeing what Desmond Ritter can do under center for the Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Welcome to Houdat Nation, kid, on the road in a hostile environment. I don't think he'll be two-faced. Uh, that's one of the things you like about him. Uh, and that's one of the things we like about y'all. So hit that like and subscribe on the way out. We appreciate you being here. And we will be back with you on Monday morning at 9 o'clock with a reaction to Desmond Ritter taking on the New Orleans Saints. So until then, we'll see you next time.